Michael's told... Oh, man, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Father. just sensed during the time of worship there was such a like a deep sense of peace in this place something so settling in our hearts something so I'm telling you like there's something going on amongst us it's so amazing it's can't can't put words into my mouth you know Lord, we bless what you're doing here. Just increase that peace amongst us, Lord. A sense of your peace upon your people. I believe there's healing in this atmosphere. And it's healing from trauma and stress of the world and the issues and things in minds, mental states. I believe God's going to start to heal people. I believe he's begun. It's like a release for you mentally in this place from the pressures of life. What Karen touched on is something that I've been studying in the week, for the last couple of weeks. Because I've never quite, even though we know Psalm 20, we, so, we know Psalm 91, you know what? This week, I felt like I was going to say one thing, then the next. Now, you know, I've gone from another thing to another thing. But I'm just like, Lord, just, just have your way this morning, you know? Jesus, have your way. But the beginning of Psalm 91, because this rung a chord to me, and I bless you, thank you for sharing that. The beginning of Psalm 91, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of my Lord, He is my refuge, my, my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. Hallelujah. I've understood this passage differently recently. And this is the time of the Ark of the Covenant when David wrote this. And when you understand, I started looking at the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant uh, symbolises, it represents God's presence amongst his people. There's lots of types, there's lots of imagery of the cross of J and Jesus in the Ark of the Covenant. It's an incredible thing. It's an amazing study. If you ever want a good study, study the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament because it's full of shadows and types. It just communicates to us the greatness of God, of Jesus, and salvation to us. Um, and David sung a lot about under the shadow of your wings, under the shadow of your wings. And what does it mean? Is God like a bird? Has he got feathers? You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the dwelling place that we have under the covering of God, the protection of God. Do you know on top of the Ark of the Covenant there was a lid and it was solid gold and it was called the mercy seat. And each end there were two angels, two cherubims, each end of the mercy seat on either end. 
and they were looking towards each other, but more importantly, they were looking towards the mercy seat. This is the place of protection. This is the place of covering. Once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the priest would go into the Holiest of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, but he would go with blood, with a sin offering. And he would enter in with blood, and seven times he would sprinkle the mercy seat with his finger. And this was the meeting place where, God, where man would meet with God, and God would communicate with man. This was the meeting place. This was the place of mercy. This was the place of divine covering. Oh, it's a wonderful picture of what the cross is today. You know the Bible says we're seated in heavenly places? You know, I've heard this quoted quite a lot. But I've likened it to the Ark of the Covenant. We are seated with him in his mercy. This is a wonderful truth. I'm telling you, get hold of this. We're seated in his mercy. And this is why he says, under the shadow of your wings, he sings it. I don't think he says it in this song, but he says it elsewhere. We sing this song, in the shadow, in the shadow of your wings, under your covering, under your protection, in your mercy. I sing. I have protection. I have a covering. Now, the New Testament is far greater than the Old because it's not just a covering. It's a total removal of our sin. Why is it a removal of our sin and, our, and, uh, and the things that, we, that try to cling on to us, the results and the consequences of our wrongdoing? Because it was transferred to him. It was transferred to him. We'll read that in a minute. Isaiah 53 is a fantastic prophecy about Jesus. But now you understand about the Ark of the Covenant. Inside, now watch this, inside the Ark of the Covenant there was three objects. I wasn't going to preach on this today, but I feel like I want to share it with you. Inside the Ark of the Covenant, there was three objects. There was the manna from heaven that come down, that fed them in the wilderness, that speaks of God's provision, but it also spoke of their rebellion because they moaned and grumbled and complained about it. There was Aaron's rod that budded, which spoke about the leadership of God, which they also rejected. And it, it, it holded the Ten Commandments. This was inside the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was like a chest. It was about four foot or so in size. It was wooden, it was overlaid with gold. The mercy seat was gold. Speaks of the divinity of God. Talks about the mercy of God. Inside the Ark of the Covenant, it had these objects. They were, they were reminders of man's rebellion. In other words, they were a testimony against them. But now watch this. The eyes of the cherubim weren't looking inside the box. They were looking at the mercy seat. The eyes of the Lord, when you're in Christ, you're seated in Christ, they're not looking inside the box of rebellion in your life. They're looking upon the mercy of God that's seen in Jesus Christ. He doesn't look at the things we've done wrong, but we have a covering, blood brought redemption by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He makes me clean to come into his presence. The only way 
people can come into the presence of God is by blood. Is by his blood. There's no justification that we can present before God to say, I am worthy in myself because I've done this. People try to justify themselves all the time through religious acts. You may, you know, we can have a list as long as you want. And try to justify ourselves to come in. But we can't. It's God that justifies. Romans is clear on that. It's God that justifies. It's his blood that justifies. And it also cleanses. It washes our conscience clean. Hebrews 9 and 10. Amazing study. Read Hebrews 9 and 10. It's an amazing study. It teaches us that we can have a clear and clean conscience because of the sprinkling of his blood. We have a permanent resting place under the shadow of his protection and his mercy that covers us. This is a wonderful, wonderful truth. If I could just, oh man, come on. Like, honestly, this is so good. I want you to study, if you can, the Ark of the Covenant, read Hebrews 9 and 10. Study it and look at it, because it's all types of Christ. It's all types of, of sin being put away, it says in Hebrew. He, it says he put away, he put away sin. It's not in his sight because of the blood. You know, you can't see that past that blood. He sees the blood, sees you through the blood of his son. This is why he's, he's an intercessor. He forever intercedes for us on our behalf. He represents us before a holy God, perfect and blameless before him. Isn't that wonderful? He's our high priest, our intercessor. He's permanently in that position. I'll tell you what, there's healing in that place. There's healing in that place. There's healing in his mercy. There's protection. There's great grace available for you today. I love that in the early church. It says, great grace was upon them. And what do we mean by grace? We're talking about the favour of God. The unearned favour of God. That's the grace of God that's applied to my life through the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. In the, in the time um, of Exodus, when they applied the blood to the door frames of the house and to the lentil, it was like a mark of a cross, the Lord said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The eyes of the Lord are on the blood. The eyes of the Lord are on the blood, and he says, I will pass over you. Judgment shall not come upon you. No plague, and this is why he says, no plague or pestilence will come upon you. Can you see that? Psalm 91, I don't know if you've ever seen that before, but when I saw it, I thought, that's amazing. That's a place of protection. Glory to God. That's a place where the eyes of the Lord are looking for the blood. Then he sees the blood. He passes over. Wonderful salvation we have, don't we? Amen. I feel like I want to look at that some more. <laughs> it's so good. There's healing for you. There's acceptance for you. There's provision for you. 
You know, every sign that is inside the box were a picture of rebellion like we spoke about. But it was also a testimony of what Jesus accomplished by fulfilling all of them. In the law, he fulfilled the law. He was the bread that come from heaven. He provides for us. He is the great high priest and the great shepherd over the people, the leader of the flock. Hallelujah. The king over his people. He's all of them things that they couldn't be and they failed to do. He's all of them things and he covers it with mercy. That's the covering. That's the lid. It's the covering. It's the covering. Hallelujah. Let's go to Exodus 15 just for a minute. Are you getting this this morning? Exodus 15, 22. I believe the greatest revelation that someone can have is the revelation of the cross. In the cross and the resurrection, there's so much in the cross and the resurrection. I'm just going to read down. Let's read down. This is chapter 15 in Exodus. So Moses brought the children of Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they come to Moriah, they could not drink the waters of Moriah because they were bitter. Here you have a situation where they're in the wilderness. This is a pretty bad situation. Three days without water is not good. You can go quite a while without food, but you can't go that long without water. If you're in a wilderness environment and you need water, you need to get it pretty sharpishly. You don't really want to be going longer than three, three days. So this is a place of desperation. And they find the water is bitter. They find the water is not pure, it's not drinkable, it's not palatable, it's bitter. Now, often you find in life, sometimes you go through life and you find sometimes there can be a great expectation. You can see that expectation and you can see what you really need. And if you taste it, it has a bitter taste in its mouth. I liken it to the things of the world. The things that that life presents to us. Sometimes it can look good but it leaves a funny taste in your mouth. Now here you have a situation where these people are very desperate. They need to have a drink. And Moses calls on the name of the Lord. And I just want to share with you this morning that if you're in a desperate situation, don't be afraid to say simple prayers and call on the name of the Lord. Because the most effective things that I've found in my life is, is the cry of a man's heart before the Lord. I remember being in situations where I've just been like, God, just help me. And suddenly, God reveals something to me. Don't be afraid to just call on the name of the Lord. And it says the Lord showed him something. And it says the Lord showed him a tree. You think that's an unusual thing. But here you have a type of the cross. You have a type of the cross in this environment where there's desperation 
where there's serious concern and where there's this bitterness that is left in the mouths of those who need a drink, those who are thirsty, those who need their thirst to be quenched. So the Lord shows him a tree. It's important when the Lord shows you something. I remember there was a time not so long ago, well, it must have been a few years ago now, I remember calling out to God over something in particular. I can't remember what it was. And the Lord showed me the cross. He showed me the cross, but he showed me it in an extraordinary way. He showed me it as an anchor. He showed me it as an anchor. And I remember going over, because I'm from South End. I lived in South End at the time. But I remember going over to Duck Pond Park. This is part with just, you know, feed the ducks and all that, you know? I'm from South End, so I go in South End mode sometimes, so just bear with me. <laughs> so you go over there, have a Kit Kat, you know, an apple, whatever, feed the ducks. You know what I mean. Alan knows what I'm talking about. He's an Essex boy as well, you know. <laughs> so it's over the park, and I remember looking over the pond and seeing this cross. I thought, that's weird. What on earth? Why, why is there a cross over there? But as I got closer and I walked around, it was actually where it was a cross that was cemented in the ground by the side of the water, but there was like a life ring attached over the top of it. And I felt the Lord show me something. This cross wasn't movable. It wasn't going to go anywhere. And he showed me that when the flood waters of life and you feel like you're drowning and you can't get out, the cross is the fixed reference point where you find grace, love and power in your life. It is the immovable place where you can find his mercy and his love that rescues you from the overwhelming world that tries to swallow you up sometimes. He showed me the strength that comes from the cross. It's that fixed place that is unchanging that cries you are going to be merciful to those who come to him. He's merciful this morning to your weakness, to your inability, you can find grace this morning. These things have strengthened my faith. When you see the cross, you find grace with God. I believe the shadow of the cross is over this place. And it's communicating mercy, love, acceptance for people this morning. But with this story, Moses casts the tree into the bitter water. And what happens to the water? The water that they couldn't drink becomes sweet. You have to cast the cross into your bitter life and situation you might face and you'll find that it makes it sweet. The preaching of the cross 
makes bad situations good. It turns something that's unpalatable, that you cannot drink. Leaves a good taste in your mouth. You find it starts to quench your thirst. Where that didn't satisfy anymore and couldn't meet your inner need, you find through the cross a sweetness coming into your life and into your heart. All the deliverance that comes at the cross of Jesus Christ. Oh, glory to God. (laughs) So it made the bitter sweet. Your bitterness will become sweet this morning. In the name of Jesus. He's making the bitter water sweet. He's bringing healing to heavy hearts. He's taking an unsavory experience. And he's putting a nice taste in your mouth. Two things. Never stop calling out to God. Another thing. When he shows you something, take notice. Amen. Amen. He's He's making the bitter sweet. And after this experience, he says, I am the God that healeth thee. For I am the Lord that heals you. Amen. Amen. I believe there's healing in this house tonight. Tonight, today. Amen. Amen. And not just today, for the whole of your lives. The cross is unchanging. Amen. Amen. There's healing for you this morning. I felt that last night. We was in a prayer meeting last night and I sensed there's healing amongst God's people. Amen. Amen. Come on, I feel so excited about what I'm speaking about. Because when you get this, oh man, it'll change your life. I'm seriously. Amen. I want to go to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness and when we see him there is no beauty that should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. 
Say this morning, he's carried my sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Amen. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Amen. That's the work of the cross. That's the work of the cross. You know, the bitterness of life and the sorrow was carried on the cross. In the Passover, when, when, when the Jews take the Passover, they roast the lamb and they eat it with bitter herbs. And it speaks of the suffering Messiah, the suffering Son of God who suffered and gave his life for me. He's carried. You know, it's, it's, when you think about this, my wrongdoing, my inability to be able to represent myself before God, all that stuff was transferred to him and he has made my place before him, set my table before him, acceptable and pleasing in his sight. That's an awesome thing. That's an awesome thing. This is where we find restoration. This is where we find divine health and healing and hope and protection and mercy and acceptance and joy. Hallelujah. He has borne our sorrows. He has carried our sorrows. He has borne our griefs. And by his wounds. And this is why I believe there's healing in the atonement. Absolutely. When, when, when you read Matthew 20, let's read Matthew 8. Matthew 8. Matthew 8, 16. Hallelujah. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the cross that I haven't got to walk around with a guilty, guilty conscience anymore. Matthew 8, 16. It, said, it says this, when evening, has come, when evening had come, they brought to him all who were demon-possessed, and he cast out spirits with a word, and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. There's health for you this morning. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. There's peace of mind for you this morning. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you're born again, you're seated with Christ in his mercy under the covering of his wings. Hallelujah. There is protection over this house because of the blood of Jesus and the cross of Calvary. He turns the bitter into sweet in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> it's good to speak it out, brothers and sisters. You know, never take your eyes off the cross. 
Look at the resurrection. You know, it talks about the things of the old covenant, and in particular things of the tabernacle and the, the ark of the covenant. It, say, it says in Hebrews that these are a picture of things in the heavenlies. It's a picture of, of Christ. The vow was torn, giving us entrance to come and be reconciled with a holy God. Man, so good. Yes, it's good. It's so good. And you know what? There's sometimes it's like so good, there's sometimes always a challenge to that goodness because you think, can it really be that good? I believe in the healing power of God, in the grace of God, in the acceptance of God, in the grace of God that's found in Jesus. I believe it. Do you believe it? It's healing for you this morning. You've had a troubled heart and a troubled mind. There's restoration in this house because of the cross. Hallelujah. Oh, Father in heaven, we love you. Come in a special way. Fill our hearts, Lord, with your joy. As we've received your Son, we have your righteousness. Touch hearts this morning. Mend the brokenhearted. Heal situations in people's lives. Oh, thank you, Lord. Right now, I pray that mental conditions, heaviness, weightiness that the world may have put upon you, we release from you. That something will be changed in you as you go your way today. There'll be a difference you notice in your life. Something is taking place. And we bless God for it. We open up our hearts and we say, yes, Lord. Come. Land in this place. The landing place is our hearts. Come. Land in this place. Fall upon your people. The sweetness of your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just all just stand together. Don't be rushing to sing something straight away. Let's just stand together. And then just lift our light. Lift your hands to the Lord. Lift your hearts to the Lord. I believe the Lord will be pouring in, you, pouring in the Holy Spirit. Jesus, right now. Hallelujah. Come. Fill your people, Lord. Jesus' name. Touch every life in this place. Touch every heart, Lord. Yes. That the bitter will be sweet. That the weak will be strong. That the wounded will be healed. The struggling will find grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What a sacrifice was made. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your healing, your touch in this house. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we sing something light? Have we got a song?